Welcome to RCV Clips, short recordings and interviews designed to introduce listeners to helpful tools and brief explanations about ranked choice voting and how this voting method works. These clips are produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, a compilation of best practices and first-hand experiences from jurisdictions that have used ranked choice voting, also known as RCV. The website, www.rankedchoicevoting.org, and the overall project serve as resources for election administrators, voters, policymakers, candidates, and for anyone who wants to learn more about ranked choice voting. We are not advocacy-focused. Rather, we aim to provide resources that allow jurisdictions to implement RCV effectively and efficiently. The RCV Resource Center team is comprised of former election administrators who have conducted statewide, municipal, and district RCV elections. Welcome to the May 2019 episode of RCV Clips. I'm Karen Brinson-Bell. The Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center held our second annual symposium on April 29th and 30th of this year. We hosted six sessions covering demystifying RCV, campaigning as a ranked choice voting candidate, RCV in the legislative process, crafting the RCV message, RCV by the numbers, and software for tabulating and displaying RCV results. When planning on what to cover in this month's episode of RCV Clips, we realized there's a lot to learn about RCV from those six sessions. So we're pulling out one clip from session two, see how they run, campaigning as a ranked choice voting candidate to entice you to check out any or all six of those sessions at rankedchoicevoting.org forward slash symposium. Without further ado, here's Lene Palmazano, Ward 13 City Council member for the City of Minneapolis, talking about her experience as an RCV candidate. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to participate and thank you all for joining to listen. I don't have slides. I'm just here to tell my personal story um, with ranked choice elections. So as Kristen said, my name is Lene Palmasano and I'm a city council member um, here in Minneapolis. Um, I first ran under ranked choice voting in 2013. Um, I, came, I came to a municipal election. I had never been I'd never seen myself as being particularly political before. Um, I worked in the professional sector for Fortune 100 companies. I spent a lot of my free time as a volunteer in the community in different ways. Um, I, I also served, and I, I have to admit, a lot of my um, fascination with municipal elections and, and elections in general was in serving as an election judge. Uh, in different parts of the city, which was a really great experience in Minneapolis. Um, in 2013, I, I'd say I had a I had a young family. Um, my my job, my day job, was really important for me to be able to keep financially. Uh, albeit, you spend a good portion of the year, you know, uh, ten or so months of it campaigning for an election of this type. Um, but my my own experience at that time with ranked choice voting was really limited to a to a three minute video um, that a a nonprofit had developed back when um, ranked choice voting had been on the ballot to persuade Minneapolis voters um, as an election initiative. Um, it was I, I did vote for it, um, but this race in 2013 was really the first time that it was going to be used on the the audience that i was interested in because while it was in existence it didn't mean much because in the 
two elections that it had played a role in, or the one, um, it, all the way up and down the ticket, there were um, all incumbents or two people races. So it, people didn't really need to know a lot about ranked choice voting for those for those first races. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about where I live um, in my constituency. I know there's some people in the Minneapolis metro area on this call, but but certainly not everybody. Um, in Minneapolis, there's a, a governance structure of 13 council members and a mayor. Um, I'm one of 13. I represent Southwest Minneapolis. It's a geographical, um, each ward or each seat is geographical in nature. Each seat represents about 32 to 33,000 people. Uh, in particular, in Southwest Minneapolis, you need over twice the number of votes to get elected. That's just um, that's just different from other parts of the city. Um, voter turnout in general is really, really heavily concentrated um, in Southwest Minneapolis in, in our city. Um, Upticket in that year, um, meaning the mayoral race, I guess would kind of be the top of the ticket in a municipal year election here. Um, my predecessor, so the current city council member and her main competition both also lived in this district. They both the two kind of main competitors, as it was seen, were coming from Southwest Minneapolis too. So, um, well, I can admit I've been reluctant about ranked choice voting at times. I have to share that ranked choice voting for me, as I look back, really contributed to my decision to run for office. Um, if for an older system, I think I would have needed, to, I know I would have needed to get through a primary um, and that would have really turned me off. I, I don't look like our typical primary voter in 2013. Um, it's fair to say and acknowledge in Minneapolis that we're a, we're a one-party city. We're heavily a, de a democratic city. Uh, in fact, currently serving on city council, there's 12 Democrats and one Green Party representative. Um, so the primary system, in my opinion, creates a small audience of possibilities. Uh, and in my estimation as being brand new to this world of politics, I felt like it really eliminated somebody more like me. Um, ranked choice voting has components of it that I think really helped me to navigate myself as a first time political person. For one, um, I felt that it, it's a friendlier race. I grew up in, I, I grew up around the city of Chicago and I grew up um, not necessarily not necessarily seeing politics as something that was accessible to everyone or um, something that wasn't at times hostile. Um, so I, I think it would have been intimidating. I, I know it was intimidating. Even getting into it um, in 2013 was intimidating. Um, also, my main competition was the peer of mine in the volunteer environment of neighborhood organizations and um, some of the other community work in Southwest Minneapolis. So I felt there was some awkwardness or difficulty from a relationship perspective. As big as Minneapolis is, it still sometimes operates like, like a small city. Uh, so I, I felt that ranked choice voting was gonna allow me a more collaborative environment and that it was going to be friendlier with other candidates. So um, just to kind of give a, a few bullet points, here's how my campaign went in a way where ranked choice voting, I think, had some kind of impact or extra consideration. 
Um, the first was an audience and a plan for voter outreach. Uh, to me, this was much expanded and it, it was less of a hardcore Democratic Party um, audience, right? You are not just talking to vote, folks who would go to vote in a Democratic primary or who identify very strongly with a party. Um, I, I learned how to talk to a lot of different people and um, and I learned that there were more than, frankly, I learned that there were more than two Republicans in the ward, which I thought there were only two Republicans in Southwest Minneapolis and they both lived on my block. But what I learned was there are um, there were two Republicans on every block that I walked and in, in, in the door knocking that I did. And and they they were on my list because they voted. Um, so even if there was a sign for my competition in the yard or in the window of um, a home I was going to, I still went and sought out a conversation. I still went to want to hear what they were trying to say to me and and because I needed to ask them for their second vote and I wanted to persuade them accordingly. Um, we had debates, we had a lot of them. Um, a two-way race, me and this one other guy for, um, for our Democratic Party's endorsement expanded to a three-way race. And then by the end of the day, by the end of filing, come August, all the main competitors were Democrats. I do feel like ranked choice voting invited more candidates into the race. So we had, at the end of the day, in 2013, we had a total of five candidates for this city council seat. Um, often in Minneapolis, the primary voters would determine the party nominee in the fall, and then that's it. So, um, the election in November feels like a rubber stamp for the Democrat that won in the primary, right? And um, this ranked choice voting removes that step and it broadens the people who are voters. Um, so, you know, if to hammer on that, under the old system, before an average voter is actually even paying attention, it feels like the decision has already been made. Um, another way this that ranked choice voting, I think, played into my race is the current, the existing incumbent, who at that point in time was the mayoral candidate, um, she felt reluctant to endorse in this race. And that didn't bother me at all. Um, it probably meant a lot less with ranked choice voting. And I think that that overall is a really good thing. It's less of a crown your replacement kind of thing as you're leaving office. Um, Another thing that happened is one candidate, my main competitor, who I thought was my main competitor, um, went very negative at the end of the campaign. I was, I had less money, I was terrifically underfunded <laughs> and couldn't respond at that 11th hour with, you know, like this last minute type of negative piece done on me and another woman in the race. Uh, but I think it showed the end results. Um, that were positive for me, I think that showed that these kinds of tactics in a ranked choice voting election don't work because they sure didn't help him. At the end of the day, I don't think it won uh, the person who did that negative attack more votes. And I know that's just my feeling because we don't really know, but um, what voters told me at the door about the election, about ranked choice voting, um, was really helped by me carrying around a sample ballot. One of the complications of my race was that the 
the higher ticket, the mayoral race, it was going to be the first new mayor in 12 years because the existing mayor was retiring. Um, there were 30 to 35 candidates for mayor and people felt um, intimidated by that, but it was easy for me to show them on the ballot just how easy it was to go first choice, second choice, third choice, and really just find the candidate that maybe they had already had in mind or had had a conversation with. Um, it felt less scary and I felt the most reluctance of ranked choice voting from some of the older voters in my neighborhoods. Um, also, since it was a close race and because of the software at the time that, that has since changed, it also meant that I didn't know until Friday how my Tuesday night race had panned out. Um, so people think that's really scary, but honestly, it, it was fine. It allowed me to take down my lawn signs and thank my volunteers and just be at peace with the fact that after running a 10 month long campaign, I could finally rest and be with my family <laughs> um, in the evening instead of feeling like I had to go do something, right? Um, so overall, I feel like I'm in a better place taking office because of how my ranked choice voting experience played out. I think I spoke to a lot more people than in a traditional non-ranked choice voting race or a non-ranked choice voting strategy. I spoke to everyone multiple times, right? And I think that in coming into office, I really felt the charge to be more representative of, of the collective, of all those voices I had talked to instead of just my own supporters. Because to some extent, I didn't necessarily know who my you know, second choice, people who chose me as their second choice really were. So, um, Ranked choice voting in Minneapolis has really increased voter turnout substantially. We went from 20% previously to 42% voter turnout for these municipal races. Um, and I think we have a more we have more participation by a diverse electorate, and I think we're in a better place overall. That's all I've got. If you want to hear what the other panelists on that session had to say, or to check out any of our other sessions, go to rankedchoicevoting.org forward slash symposium. We'll also include a link to the symposium page in the show notes for this episode. And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, useful tidbit, or just something we thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's Chris Hughes with this month's final round. Did you know that Tasmania, a craggy island to the south of Australia and one of that country's six states, was the first place in the world to permanently adopt multi-winner ranked choice voting for their elections? While Denmark tried out multi-winner RCV a few times in the 1850s for legislative elections, Tasmania used multi-winner on a trial basis starting in 1896 and officially adopted it for their legislative elections in 1909. Their use of the method paved the way for the Australian federal government's adoption of multi-winner ranked choice voting for their Senate in 1948, which makes for over 110 years of ranked choice voting in Australia. And that's the final round. Thank you for joining us today for our May RCV clip. This is a monthly segment produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Follow us on Twitter at RCV Resources, on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, and check out our website, rankedchoicevoting.org, for more RCV resources. You can find our show anywhere you get podcasts. Please take some time to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, too. 
Our theme music is Flutterbeat by Pottington Bear. Thanks to Lene Palmazano and all our other expert panelists for making our symposium a success. Until next time, I'm Karen Brinson-Bell on behalf of Chris Hughes and the rest of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.